Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And this week we're being joined by comic book writer uh, with Silverline Comics. That's right. And that's his voice there, Brett Larson. And he's got a comic out called Kalis. Making sure I read that yep. right. <laughs> I want to yeah. put an E instead of an A. <laughs> so, um,. Let's talk a little bit about the book first. How did you come up with the idea for Kalis? Well, uh, let me think here. That's a great question. To tell you the truth, it probably started, shoot, I'd say like 10, 15 years ago. Um, I'm a comic fan from way back. Um, and I love the idea of uh, actually two different properties. The first up. I love the idea of uh, the the alien that comes to Earth um, with the mysterious powers. Um, he or she is like us, but yet not like us. Um, and I've always wondered what it would be like if one of us went to another planet and uh, something happened to us uh, and we got some kind of funky power. Um, would it be Just the same thing? Say- uh, would it be uh, some kind of, you know, would if it were me, would I want to strap on a cape and fight whatever crime happens in this world? Um, I think the average person would say, no, that's bizarre. That's the weirdest thing I'd ever heard of. Well, that plus, was the first thing. Plus, capes get caught up in things. Right. Yes. <laughs> Incredibles. <laughs> plus, um, you, you know, you could get arrested in this other planet, just like you probably would here, especially if you were hanging around a school or something. So, <laughs> so there was that. But the other one was the Fantastic Four. I love the idea of a group of people going up, getting powers, coming back and their lives are instantly changed. And as I was thinking through all this, I was like, okay, what would it be like if you had astronauts who went up, um, disappeared for, you know, I really should figure this out. What is that? 50 years, 60 years and come back. And they um, don't strap on a cape. They don't tell us they're here for truth, justice in the American way. What they say is, we have to get back to where we came from. Um, I can't be bothered with your petty crime, basically. <laughs> and um, so that's kind of the start. I have a lot of, um, you know, ang- uh, gov- government conspiracy type angles like, 
who was it that sent him up in the first place? Why did they send him up? Where did he go? Where's he been? Why does he want to go back? That's those are the questions I'm gonna kind of be digging into through the the series. So, okay. Well, that answers one of the next questions I was gonna ask. Oh, that Tell was you. my intention to answer all your questions all at once. So, hey, <laughs> it just means I I nailed a great question for it from the get go. Um, I was gonna say, so this takes place present time. If you're saying the the lunar module we see in the beginning of the book is coming back from being lost for several years. Right. Okay. Um, actually, I do have a lot of flashbacks in the in the story. I um, I realize all the writing schools say flashbacks suck as a narrative device, but since I got to write it, then I get to do what I want, I guess. So, and yeah, I just kind of love them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's right. It is a lunar module from the sixties. Yeah, so we'll get into that as the book progresses, but uh, it is most of the action takes place modern day. So, how many um, how many issues do you have planned for this? Well, that's a great question. It really depends on if people like it or if people say. Um, Dude, I have read some crap in my life, and this tops it, in which case I'll really try to sum it up at the end of of uh, issue five. But if there's interest, I could probably go um, quite a ways out. I've got a lot of stories. Um, basically, um, when our hero returns to Earth, he also happens to be bulletproof, which is a whole nother reason um, to to explore – what that's like to uh, be kind of invulnerable in this modern world that we live. So there's so many different places I can go. So I've got multiple endings planned for uh, depending on on how people respond, I guess. So if uh, the fifth issue, I've already got the second arc planned out. Um, so I hope they like it. Shoot. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I know I have read some crap in the past. This is not it. I oh, am. Thank you. Uh, I love the artwork. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm loving the story. Um, I, we will have to admit, we, we got a preview copy of the book beforehand. Um, <laughs> how did you come up with your the rest of your creative team? Or was this something that was done uh, through Silverline to partner up with everyone else? No, I actually started the book before um, Roland asked um, if I wanted to come on board the the Silver Line and the Silver Line Fold. Um, To tell you the truth, I'd love to say it was because of my incredible connections, but really I just got on to PencilJack.com and uh, said, hey, guys, um, I've got some money. Uh, Is anyone interested? And I got got, um, portfolios from people as far away as Eastern Europe. So it was pretty amazing. I've never seen such a cavalcade of fantastic art. So, yeah. So what led you to to landing with, uh, to Luis? Um... His art was just so freaking awesome. I remember looking at it and going, this guy is better than 
I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I reached out to him and I said, hey, man, please tell me you can commit to at least five issues. And he said, I can make it happen. He's doing a, he's finishing up a book called Gargantuan for a group called Amigo Comics. Okay. And um, yeah, just he sent me a few panels of that. And I'm like, holy cow, dude, this guy is for real. So yeah it wasn't that hard of a decision <laughs> yeah, his, his his stuff is great yeah yeah and leandro's colors uh really make it pop yes. too. i just yes. uh, say that yeah the colors yeah. are good yeah the two of them work together on a lot of stuff i think and um yeah they have a great collaboration and again i'm just like wow i had no idea it could be this good well so. <laughs> and our good friend Joe Carmania would kill me too if I didn't point out your letter is mm. phenomenal mm-hmm. on here as well. I mean, it's a it's a nice nice font that, especially with today's digital age, it's a nice font that makes it really easy to to grab the eye and, and follow with no problem. Yeah, I agree. Um, everyone just came together so well. I think I mean a lot of us who read comics all our lives. I've done that. I didn't actually think I was capable of writing a comic book until not that long ago. Um, And to have the kind of talent coming around me that I did for this book makes me feel incredibly fortunate. Like, I'm sure uh, first-timers don't get that kind of a break. So it's pretty awesome. So with Kalis being your your first book, what made you decide to get into writing comics? Well, um, I am actually primarily a filmmaker uh, here in Orlando. I've made uh, quite a few short films, and I actually still am – that still continues to be my, my primary work. I love it. Um, uh, I love uh, the impact it has. Um, one thing I'll say is that it's incredibly collaborative. I'm sure you've heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I make I get to make films with my friends, which is great. But it also means that they get to speak into it. And occasionally I thought it would be kind of cool if I could just tell my own story. Plus, I make, like I said, a lot of short films. Short films typically don't have a huge budget. So if I ever wanted to tell a story about astronauts, I'd either have to like totally rack up the costs with tinfoil to uh, make the room look spacey, which sucks even as I say it, or I could do it as a comic book, in which case I could make it look as expensive as, as I wanted. And uh, it just kind of hit me because, like I said, all my life I've read this this kind of stuff. I've never stopped. Um, I almost feel weird about it um, the older I get, and yet somehow um, – I just thought, you know, if I love it so much, I should really just take a crack at it, see what happens. So the worst thing that could happen would be that people hate it and then they find where I live and kill me, (laughs) which is probably unlikely as a scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So did you did you find the transition from writing uh, your shorts to writing a comic difficult or, or kind of similar since, since comics is a script format as well? Um, to tell you the truth, 
I would say they're they're similar in in a lot of ways. You know, formatting is is kind of similar, although film is very structured in its formatting. Um, I just kind of learned the formatting of comics by Googling uh, how do you write a comic book script and uh, just looking at a lot of different samples of published comics and stuff like that. Um, The thing that was harder was film... um, Filmic language is um, based largely on uh, a three-act structure. Comics aren't, and that was something that took a little getting used to. But once I started to hit it, um, it was freeing because I love the three-act structure, but making sure beats fall here and there. But if you read like a comic by – what's his name? Hickman, uh, Jonathan Hickman, Jonathan, yes. yep. Johnny, yeah, like that dude has so much imagination. It's like the three act structure would just utterly disintegrate if he tried to impose his will on it. So instead, you just read a comic by him, and you're like, "Whoa, this is cool! What's going on?" And yet, it's still cool. Um, I kind of enjoy that freedom that that brings where you can have some catharsis at the end of a comic book. You don't have to worry about hitting all these different beats at all these different times. So that's kind of nice. So did you write it as a full script then or Uh, a full comic script? Yeah. Yeah. Because I know that there's different, there's different ways. Some people write full scripts. Some people write, um, you know, like there's the quote unquote Marvel way where you write, a basic um, outline or or whatever, and let the artist kind of. Right, I didn't do that, and I think it's because I'm a writer at heart, which means I want to control everything, and um, therefore I did the full script. And the nice thing is, um, I don't know enough of the industry probably to let um, the artists have the say that they probably deserve. Instead, I just say, I must have it my way. And <laughs> they say, you know, on email, copy that. And it worked out so far. I'm wondering if they're hoping I'm going to clue into the fact that I need to uh, reference them more. And um, if uh, I don't do that, then they'll, I don't know, start sabotaging me. But <laughs> they seem pretty nice. So let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> So now that we got Kalis going and hopefully I'm not going to say hopefully I know we'll see at least the five issues, if not more. Um, What's your next step? Do you have a second book you want to tackle? You know, um, I do. Um, I have been uh, I've actually played around with a, a bunch of different kind of writing. Writing is great, um, and I feel like it took me so long to hit a groove with it that I'm just trying not to stop. And uh, But right now, um, I've been working on a story basically about a guy who – who uh, lives in a little Florida town and he's the mayor, but he's running for reelection and he's probably going to lose. Um, and their town is next to a kind of a big uh, empty uh, a bunch of property surrounded by barbed wire. And, and uh, one day um, a government representative comes to meet him and says, Hey, we've, we had someone try to break in 
and um he got away so we're gonna find him don't worry about it but you know keep your eyes open for any strangers in town and he goes home and he has a conversation with his wife and he and his wife are having trouble and then they hear uh something in the barn and then they run out to the barn and someone's in there and who it is kind of blows their minds and that's all i can tell you so (laughs) i don't know if anything will come of it but um i've had a lot of fun with kayla's it makes me wonder what else I can do, and yeah. So, so you you did you did enjoy the process of making Kalis? Yeah, I really did. Um, it is pretty amazing to have the kind of. Um, I was joking earlier, but um, to have an actual um, hands-on control over everything you see is something that you don't really get unless you're a novelist. Um, and um, that's a whole different um, deal, obviously. Um, and since we're talking visual, um, I either would had would have had to learn art myself, which I couldn't draw my way out of a paper bag. So that was never going to happen. Um, but finding people who could actually flesh out my vision and actually show it to me in a way that I'm like, whoa yeah that's what i meant no wait a minute it's actually a little better it's just really cool it's okay it's really yeah it's a kind of a the first time i ever saw it done i was like oh i get it now <laughs> that, that inspires a new question then did, after you saw some of the art come back from Luis, did you did that make you maybe change like maybe the, some of the script for for those few panels or or, or influence um, a change on your end, didn't he? That has happened a few times. Not so much in a huge story kind of way, um, but like occasionally, um, Luis, who has been really gracious with me, but like um, he would send me a, a panel. Actually, we're working on um, issue two right now, and he sent me a panel or a page of sketches. And I realized when I looked at it that I didn't really do that great of a job with a particular panel description. And as a result, the environment was looking really um, kind of uh, repetitious, and we weren't getting an idea of where they were. And at least so far, um, what I try to do is he sends me a panel. I say, I love it. Or can you change this or this? Or very occasionally I'll say, I don't think this is working. Can you try it from maybe this POV? And um, uh, he'll come up with something. And almost always he hits it on the second try. Um, And uh, occasionally I have uh, been able to, you know, I don't have an artist's eye, um, but he's really kind of helped me to see through that lens a little better. And it's it's been pretty educational. That's for sure. That's a mark of a great team. Yeah. So so there's never been a situation where he's presented you something and you're like, this is so far beyond what I envisioned. I need to make some tweaks to dialogue to fit this. That has not happened. And I think the main reason is because I when I know what I want, I will over explain um, to death. Okay. Um, And. 
Um, and to tell you the truth, I don't know if that's a great thing or not. I can may, there might be some artists out there going, dude, cross that guy off my list. Um, and Luis has been very gracious again in that regard. I've actually said, dude, I hope I'm not over explaining. And he's like, no, 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 you're fine. So as See, a result, he gives me what I want. <laughs> me as an audio engineer, mm-hmm. I'd rather have you over explain a scene and where my cues need to go then it'd be yeah you're gonna know you're gonna know where they need to go when you see the scene and you sit there and have someone go well why didn't you play in a cue because your cues weren't obvious yeah because there, yeah, there were there were five or six <laughs> spots i could have put one cue and you weren't obvious about it so i'd right. rather have more detail but I, mm. i'm a i'm a very detailed guy though right um, I, I think derek will tell you when i was explaining to him and helping him with his podcast I'm like, okay, you want to do this? You want to do this? I want. To, and he's like, hold on, wait. I need to write these down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you actually described a panel. The second page is the lunar lander, lander flying towards Earth. Um, great. Uh, I, I would yeah, lo- I know. Isn't that sharp? <laughs> I would love to get a copy of just that page. That was yeah. such a – of all the pages in the first book, that one I think is one of my – one of my favorites. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, but when I wrote the description, I realized I could have just said, a lunar lander flies towards Earth. But I'm thinking, no, that's, you know, I know what I need. I know that it needs to be on fire, that there's a gaping hole in the side, that it's spinning towards Earth, but it's not so far away that you couldn't possibly see a glimpse of light um, from the explosion. It needs to be breaking up. Um, uh, the the uh, The ship needs to be flying um, within the contours of panel like it's going up, as in like it's from the bottom of the page to the top. Um, I just tried to lay it out as, you know, in every conceivable detail. And occasionally, Lewis bucks that. And a lot of times, I'm actually surprised at what he does come up with. But um, when I'm really trying to to get a particular story point across, I really try to over-communicate. So. You, you, you mentioned this page, and I'm back looking at this page again. And I will say... I have finished the book. I was while listening. I can multitask. I don't know how <laughs> how I'm, I've been capable to do that all these years. This page again is probably one of my favorites in the whole book, art wise. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and the book looks amazing. Mm. Uh, your, your team yeah. is amazing. I want a copy of this page. Yeah. I, I point blank. <laughs> this this is something I would definitely put up on my wall. And, I've already done so. <laughs> <laughs> and and with this page, with what you're saying, you're describing kind of gives me that uh, Storenko approach that mm. you're you're telling you're telling the story here without any words or dialogue because it's your direction. Mm. And with his artwork, you, you, you know what this picture is conveying. Here's a damaged lunar module coming back to, to the planet and it mm-hmm. may not make it through the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, frankly, I love the first page because it sets up uh, what's going to be a really pretty sweet story. But uh, that second page is the one where I'm just like, dude, I, I have to get this framed. So <laughs> well, I, I think, I think my favorite scene is the whole sequence uh, at the military base, and you bring up the mm. bat phone. Mm. And I'm like, okay, 
I like that. That's a that's a great nod right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, the fun – one of the really fun aspects of the book is the hero, Scott Anders, is – from the 60s, the 50s, you know, he grew up in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So it's occurred to me that something we love to do in the 21st century is all our pop culture references. Well, what's funny is he has them too, but nobody gets them. <laughs> so um, I'm having fun with that um, well into the second issue. So, yeah. I can't wait. So, <laughs> so earlier you you had said that you don't have an artist's eye, but do you think um, do you think your work doing short films helped you at all in visualizing how you want this to be? Yes, um, I know it did. Uh, in part because when I'm writing uh, for film, I have to describe what I'm seeing in my own head. I mean, if you don't actually see a film in your head when you're writing for film, you're pretty much toast. Right. Um, if you're, I mean, basically that's like saying I'm relying on someone else to read my mind, which is never going to work. Um, so I can think visually. I guess the frustration is. Um, I can think visually, but I don't have extrasensory perception. So the best thing I can do is use words or stick figures that would not outstrip a first grader's ability. So, yeah. <laughs> now, I, I want to hit on something that's in the, on the last page uh, talking about your bio and talking about the creators. Uh, no, yeah. You said you you have made films in such such far flung places such as South Africa, Russia, Ukraine, Spain, and Shreveport. Yeah. What type of border issues did you have with your passport when you went to Shreveport? Oh, um, uh, frankly, oh, what can I say that will not uh, aggravate the people in Shreveport? It's okay. I used to live there. <laughs> Oh no, kidding! Okay, <laughs> that, that's that's what that's what caught me. It's such an odd reference to bring up Shreveport. Yeah, um, I worked on a film set that was there. I don't, you guys would not remember this, but there was a film that came out a long time ago, not that long ago, called Year One. Uh, uh-huh. Jack Black was uh, in it, and yeah. Michael Cera, and. Um, it was not great, uh, but what's cool is they built this massive set, and then they left, and it stood there empty for for quite a while. So we were able to go in and use their set, and we were there for a couple of months, and I got to know Shreveport pretty well, and I'm like, these guys love their Bass Pro Shops. Uh-huh. And um, other than that, I vaguely remember seeing a Build-A-Bear and going, what is this doing here? And I remember very little else about it. So. <laughs> you, you're talking uh, over on Bossier City side. The uh, mm. oh, it's I know exactly where you're at. It's right next to uh, the casino. Could be. There's a movie theater there. Yeah. I think that's the year Inglorious Bastards came out. And I remember seeing the film there and thinking, this is a pretty good film. Um, I don't know if I can attribute that to Shreveport. I wish I could. It might have helped the experience a little well, better. Sh- Shreveport's become a little movie mecca on its own. Yes. So, yes, that's right. So did you did you film in the what used to be the convention center across the street from Harrah's? Uh, no. In fact, we didn't film in Shreveport 
proper. It was, uh, oh, I can't even remember the little town that was outside it, but we, um, it was way out in the swamp. And oh, um, uh. we considered Shreveport to be like where we went on our day off. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think. That could be Benton. No, it's not Benton. It's not Benton. Houghton. Oh, it was Benton. Benton. Maybe it was Benton. Okay, what else is out there? Houghton. Nope. Uh, you had North Shreveport out near Caddo Lake. No. I want to say it was east of town. That'd be Houghton or Ruston. Hmm. Uh, there's also the area. Oh, it's where Bonnie and Clyde were shot at. Oh. Arcadia? Mm. Nope. Right off 20? Maybe it was Benton. Shoot, this is quite a while ago. Yeah. This is 10 years ago. Great Scott. Did you go past the racetrack? Uh, I don't remember that. Frankly, all I remember was, wow, I don't know what to do with myself. You, um, you, you might have gone up into the area <laughs> up heading up towards Texarkana. Hmm. And that way, I, I there's like four or five different places you guys could have been. Really? I remember it had a Walmart that seemed very important to the town. Um, <laughs> In that area, Walmart's important to every, to every town. Yeah. Um, yes. Freeport is a wonderful place, by the way. <laughs> I still got family in that in that area. They're over in the Bossier City side. Wow. Um, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I roughly know the potential areas you're around. It sounds <clears> like you might have, you were east. That would have been Benton. That would have been um, Houghton. Parts maybe parts of Houghton. Hmm. Trying to remember the swamp area. Um, you might have been on the north end of town. A Shreveport, hmm. uh, heading up that way, <laughs> uh, which would have been what maybe up Water Street. You know, now you're gonna you're gonna just make me go look, aren't you? Google. I'm, te- I'm testing my memory here. Even though my wife and I've been down here twenty three years. Huh. Well, I I don't um, remember names of places well, I, but I do remember areas. Cause my mom used to teach across Caddo Lake in an area um, called Pine Grove Elementary School. Huh. And it was in North Shreveport. Okay. So I'm you, looking right now, and I'm, was it Minden? No, it was too far away. Hmm, you know, well, you know, it, you got me. I made the whole thing up. I've never actually been a Shreveport. No, no it's, it's, I'm kidding. <laughs> what you're talking about, like I said, where did I drop those dead bodies off at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that could have been the Red River, and no one would have cared. <laughs> So, so they filmed part of year one out in the swamp area. I don't yeah, know. I know. It's I they built the whole thing out of the the whole set. It's a very impressive set uh, out of styrofoam, which I think means that it's probably still there and will be long after the zombie apocalypse. So, which they filmed Battlefield Earth there too. <laughs> yes, in fact, I want to say that might have been concurrent. Current to when we were there. Yeah. Because a friend of mine saw Aaron Eckhart at a Barnes and Noble or something wacky like that. Okay. Yep. So. Yep. I'm just trying to remember the name. I, I want to say the mall you went to that had the bass with the Build-A-Bear is right next to the Horseshoe Casino. Okay. Right right off Texas Street. Hmm. And I, I want to say it's, it's Red River something, hmm. I think. I don't remember. That one's killing me. So I'll continue looking for it while Derek ha- asks another question. 
So, um, sorry, just had a little <laughs> there. You okay, man? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had I had a question in my head, and then when Mike said ask the question, I'm like, what was the question? <laughs> so. <laughs> So nowadays, there's a lot of Hollywood's looking to a lot of uh, comic book properties to make fu- uh, films and such. Really? So no, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's you say. Say. Is uh, is the comic book Avengers based on the movie? No, no, just kidding. No, no. <laughs> it's on the old '60s TV show. Uh, <laughs> uh, wrong movie. Um, so uh, let's say that they decide to come uh, to come after Kalis to make a movie. Mm. Uh, are you going to uh, Are you going to ask them to let you direct it? Um, well, sure. They will then laugh and probably bar me from the set. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I, I've i only directed one short film, and they never asked me back, so I didn't take it personally. Um, yeah, now I might try to do what, uh, what Robert Kirkman did and say uh, ask if I could be an executive producer Aye. and then just start cashing my checks. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I... I'd probably just say thank you and then probably have a stroke. So, yeah. Well, I guess let me tack on this one then. Which would you rather have, the movie or a long-running successful show, uh, either on a streaming service or on something like AMC? Even if you only got three seasons out of it. Mm. Um, I would probably go for the show. Um, and I say that just because I thought of when I, when, uh, the story of Kalos really first started to coalesce in my mind, I thought of writing it as a movie and I realized I couldn't do it. Not really, not the, not, not just the story, but the, the themes I'm really interested and delving into themes of um, questions like um, how far uh, are you willing to go to rectify a mistake? Um, how many bad things are you willing to do to do what you think is ultimately right? And then other questions about things like um, can you say no to somebody in need if you can help them, but you think it'll set you back? Uh, you know, questions like that. Um, and I know uh, movies definitely have their their themes, but I love how I mean, I think the thing I love the most about comic books is their slow burn storytelling, um, which is why um, I love the you know, if someone said, would you would you rather read a, a one shot or a 12 issue series? I would go for the series right away. I love the idea of an unfolding story um, that's layered, that takes its time. You know, it's weird. I'm not crazy about binge watching. I feel like I'm losing something by um, taking it all in at once too fast. I have to pace myself. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? It's mm. almost like, why would I want to watch 22 episodes of a show in one day? I can't think of anything I'd like doing for 22 hours. <laughs> so instead, I'll spread it out. That way it can marinate in my head. I can start asking questions. I can start guessing, which means I get to say, yes, I was right, or oh, no way. But if I'm binging it, I have all my answers already. What's the fun yeah. in that? Exactly. So. I like sometimes I like to do maybe like one episode a night or something like that, depending right. on. Oh, but yeah, I like I like a little time between each episode to 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 ruminate on it. Absolutely. I, I think I typically go no more than three in the night or three at a time. I mean, right. I mean, if a show is 45 minutes, which typically is how long a show is without the commercials, then you know, that's almost three hours that uh, that's enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the people are like, you know, I, I, I just stumble onto this show 24 and I watched the first episode and then I watched the second and then I had 10 episodes down and I'm like, dude, <laughs> do you have a job? You know, it's. I know, yeah. <laughs> I could never do that. Yeah. I like other things like eating or you know, going to the bathroom even. So I don't know. I'm sure they could pause when they needed that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It's not just for fun anymore. Yeah. So, oh, well. But you know what? I can't knock at the people for their choices. No, Binge sure. away. Do that thing. <laughs> So what was it that got you interested in comics just in general? In the first place, yes. in general. All right. Um, well, I've read comics in one way or another since um, I was a kid. I loved the peanut strips. I loved um, uh, the idea of uh, humor in, in uh, pictures that basically you made your mind uh, move. And I loved that. Um, but the comic book proper, I'd say, I know exactly what it was. Um, G.I. Joe was my gateway drug, which it was for, I think, probably a lot of people my age. Um, and what it was, was I was starting to buy the toys, which was, you know, fine. And um, then a friend said, oh, here's the G.I. Joe comic book. And I'm like, oh, I guess I need... I, I have to buy the comic book now? Man, I, nobody explained this to me when I started buying the toys. But the first issue I bought was G.I. Joe number 12, which was the first issue. And in in um, the issue is called Three Strikes for Snake Eyes. Um, and the story went from issue 12, I'm going to say to issue 19. And I remember being so blown away that a story could be this cool and it's still based on toys. Mm -hmm. But as I started to get into it more, I just uh, I remember being more excited about the comic than the toys. And I gave up the toys eventually. Um, nothing against toys. Uh, it just didn't hold my interest. But I went full on with the comics. Um, so, yeah, and here I am today. G.I. Joe. I saw it coming and I didn't look away. And now I am lost of it with the rest of you. God. It's a good place to be. <laughs> I I had to go look up this issue, and I do remember this issue very much. <laughs> yeah, they came out with a trade a few years ago, and I picked it up, and I'm just like, it took me way back. Yeah. It's great. 
Yeah. Yeah, because this this was almost uh, that was coming in right before a major story arc mm-hmm. occurred. Actually, it was the first issue of the of the story arc. The weirdest thing is, if I had picked up issue eleven, which I've read since, I would have thought well, that's pretty cool, and that would have been the end of it. But I picked up issue twelve, which made me want to read issue thirteen, and the right. whole thing just laid itself in front of me. It was like. Does God want me to be a comic book fan? I have actually considered this question from time to time. So, <laughs> the, yeah. This was a story arc that went from issue 12 to issue 19, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's the one that culminated with Cobra attacking G.I. Joe's snapped together base, which I did have. And uh, G.I. Joe pulled a trick on him. Um, but in the process, like, Several major characters died, including Quinn, the Eskimo, and yep. General Flag, and Scarface, the Cobra, Two-Faced, um, Commando. I can't remember what he did. I think all he did was whine all the time. Yeah. Which I'm like, dude, you're wearing an awesome costume. Quit whining. But <laughs> anyway. Some of the lesser known characters. Yeah. Except for Flag. Yes. Yeah. Well, rest in peace. Mm, 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 mm. Ah, the memories. I used to love Joe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only gotten better, I think. Actually, they had some rough times in the 90s, but yeah. Yeah, (laughs) when they decided to to do that whole toy line based around the drug cartels, I'm like, okay, you've gone too far. You're officially out of ideas. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd left the book by then. Yeah. It is pretty challenging, I think, to probably produce a book that has a cast of characters that grows exponentially and the uh, producers of the book want you to stick with the new guys and forget the old ones. Mm-hmm. That's a tough call. But they did their best. <laughs> So, so what, when you're not writing comics, what else do you do? Well, um, what else do I do? I write other things, uh, for film. Like I said, I, uh, write short stories. I, um, I take karate classes. That's been pretty fun. Um, I have a PlayStation I enjoy when I have time, which is practically never. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, yeah. And I love hanging out with my wife. She is very hangoutable. So, yeah. And according to your bio, <laughs> she is very big into sci-fi. How'd yeah. You, how'd you get so lucky, dude? I wonder that because I have friends who um, are like, my wife likes um, Pride and Prejudice. And you know what? Okay. I like Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice is a pretty darn good story. But when I uh, found out that my wife's favorite movie is Aliens with um, quick second follow-up Alien, that she literally likes watching them. Um, like as comfort television, it, they help her go to sleep at night when she is up too late. And I'm like, this woman, yeah, she's pretty amazing. So. That is an interesting <laughs> comment. Yeah, yeah. So I 
get her I, I got her I, a poster of aliens uh, the aliens poster in japanese and she hmm. said this is so cool i don't know where to put it but it's awesome so my wife <laughs> my wife had never seen alien the alien movies so i introduced her to them and she instantly loved them so yeah right yes you just give them a chance yeah so what are what are some of your favorite geek out things to do when you had the time? Mm, geek out things when I have the time. Well, I love reading comics, um, especially indie comics um, more recently, although I feel like Marvel's getting a second wind and I'm happy about that. Um, what else? Uh, what, I, what are some of the comic titles that you enjoy reading right now? Oh, shoot. I like East of West. I like anything Brian K. Vaughn comes out with. Um, I'm really enjoying, uh, Dan Slott's run on fantastic four right now. Um, and, uh, what else? Uh, I should totally have thought of that question before. Um, (laughs) Before talking to you guys, what's fun is that I'm I'm reading a bunch of stuff that's pretty old. Like I jumped on the Invincible bandwagon really uh, late, yeah. and so now I'm reading that stuff like it just came out yesterday. So uh, I feel pretty lucky uh, right there. Um, there are some other great books that I'm really enjoying. Like uh, oh, let's see, now I'm in the right room for this. So. I'm really enjoying, uh, let's see, I thought Outcast was a pretty darn good book. American yep. Vampire is really good. Oh, yeah. um, let me see. Uh, I think Nailbiter is a great book. Um, Scalped is pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, that ended a long time ago. And yet I'm like, yes, I get to subscribe to it all at once. But not read it all at once because that would be binge reading, and that's just not cool. Um, <laughs> what else? I um, um, I love sci-fi movies. Um, I thought when uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine came out, it blew my mind. I still think it's like the best movie of the last couple of years. It's so beautiful in four K, <laughs> and. Uh, I love the Marvel movies. I admit it. Um, I try to appreciate the DC movies and that's getting progressively easier. And I think we can all be thankful for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your, your top five sci-fi movies. Top five. That, oh, you, wow. that you will watch over and over and over again. Okay. Oh, but then we have to have a protracted discussion about what constitutes sci-fi. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, okay. Um, okay. Uh, I'm not going to say these are my top five. They're just the ones that come to mind. But I um, I loved uh, Blade Runner. I loved Blade Runner 2049, like I said. Um, uh, let me think. Um I love the classic Trek movies. Uh, Wrath of Khan still blows my mind with how entertaining it is. Uh, and yeah. um, frankly, I thought Search for Spock was amazing. I thought Star Trek The Motion Picture was amazing. And I 
I, I'm like in a class of one, apparently, when it comes to that. I enjoyed um, the script. I wasn't a big fan of the costumes. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. It did look like they were waiting for a disco ball to drop. I really think that might have lightened the mood a little bit. Um, I think I liked. I think I liked Star Trek: The Motion Picture when it came out, but after Wrath of Khan, it's a little. Yeah. It's hard to. to it's hard <laughs> to compare most things to Wrath of Khan, but. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, you watch Wrath of Khan and, and you're just like, oh, here's the part where Kirk just goes utterly crazy. But <laughs> you're watching uh, you're watching motion picture and the, you, they see the Enterprise for the first time and they're flying around looking at it from the different angles. And you're like, I wonder if I have time to go make some popcorn. Probably <laughs> so. And yeah, like they could have used some pacing there but still the themes of the film just kind of i think are really pretty amazing pretty deep i enjoy it yeah. Yeah, um, good stuff in there yeah a movie that i loved from my childhood that i still love is the last starfighter ah. great movie um great film um the effects aren't fantastic but i i don't think they detract from the viewing of it and it's just got a lot of heart and it's really funny um, I love that. So I don't. I don't think the graphics needed to be that great for that film. Not for yeah. the time period it came out in. Mm. I think if it was remade now, it would not have the same effect. You're probably right. Um, oh, Tron. Tron was yeah, amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I still. And then I, I. I had seen it for years on my dad's laser displayer. And I picked it up on Blu-ray for the first time, like maybe three years ago. And I was like watching it all over again. I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea this was even better than I remembered. So <laughs> that is that is a treat to think, you know, a film and then realize that you only knew most of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I know I've got a ton of others. Alien and Aliens. I can't believe I didn't mention those. I think I'm like up to 12 now. I don't know if. I can actually – I feel like if I yeah, if I try to trim the list, the other films will get jealous or something. So. You know what? We could, we could keep going. <laughs> See, I, I would throw in there as one of my guilty pleasure favorite sci-fi movies, The Black Hole. Um, I went to see the black hole and I think it was like my eighth birthday or some wacky thing. And in retrospect, I'm like, that is not a kid's movie in no, any regard. No. <laughs> I, uh, I want to say I might have been 10 or 11. I don't remember when that mm. came out. Mm. Oh, I remember it was like 79 or 78 or 79, something like that. Was it? Or 80. I think so. So yeah, I would have been right around nine or 10. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was born in 70. Okay, 71 for me. And I, re, I remember seeing it in a drive-in movie theater. Mm. <laughs> so That's how I saw Star Wars. <laughs> same here, double feature. Yeah. It was Star yeah. Wars followed by Star Wars. Really? So nice. I, I, for me, it was Star Wars followed by who gives a crap. So <laughs> <laughs> I have finally found someone else who has seen Star Wars in a drive-in movie theater. I'm not alone. Mm. Well, I know I was alone because there was a bunch of us that particular night, but I have not uh -oh. found another fan <laughs> that has seen it in a drive-in movie theater. I've seen it in a drive-in, but not my first time. Mm. My first time was, was, was that a drive-in? Yeah, the folks threw me and my sister in the back of the station wagon with our sleeping bags. 
folded the seat down, watched the movie. Somehow my life was changed. And that was the end of that. My parents so. <laughs> threw my brother and I in the back of our station wagon with blankets <laughs> and pillows. Same hmm. thing. So I wonder if totally can relate. Yeah. The the George Lucas fans just don't realize that the reason they loved the film was probably because they watched it in a lying horizontal position when they were kids. Somehow <laughs> all the blood went to their brain and just made them happier. They should do that for every movie. There, I definitely say there is a difference between seeing the movie, seeing that film at a drive-in. Mm than seeing it in an actual theater. Because I saw all the others in an actual theater. Hmm. Okay. Which was fine, too. But you're right. There is a difference seeing the first film laying down mm-hmm. or sitting in a car. Even if, <laughs> even now, there are times if I want to watch the film, I, I have been known on my days off to take my iPad, go out into the go out to my car, prop the iPad up against the windshield, and watch the movie. Hmm. Like, do you okay, feel th- like you get the same experience? I do. I do. Because wow. I'm watching it in my car. And that's how I saw it the first time. It's like, okay, I'm reliving memories. Mm. Watching it on an iPad. I know. It's not the same <laughs> screen wise, but I'm seeing it in my car. Right. Now, if you took it out to like um, a Chick-fil-A parking lot and yeah, people no. were honking and, and throwing crap around, maybe that would be more authentic. But too. yeah, I know what you're talking about. So. See, I, I would love for someone to build here in Orlando, take one of the old buildings and turn it into like an indoor drive-in sort of like um, sci-fi dine-in at studios. Yeah. And I've yeah, always been awesome. I've, I've always thought ever win the lottery. I'm doing a private event at Sci-Fi, and I'm popping in Star Wars, and we're watching Star Wars on that big screen while everyone's having dinner. Mm. That's the closest I'm going to get to the the old drive-in experience that someone's willing to show the movie. Yeah, I'm surprised someone hasn't done it already. I mean, you pretty much got every other entertainment-type venue in Orlando that there could be. Why hasn't anyone brought back the drive-in theater? Come on, people. Don't know. Mm. So sad. Yep. <laughs> I miss the one we used to have here. Really? There used to be one here. Oh, we used to uh, have- Oh, no, I'm in uh, Massachusetts. Um, Closest one to us here is, uh, referring to Brent and I, is down in Lakeland. Oh. Yeah, they, okay. su- they supposedly have one. a ways to go. Huh. Yeah, they supposedly have one. Wow. Well... Well, okay. So I had to drive down there in order to go. Yeah, I'll take that one over. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I I haven't found, I haven't, well, I haven't really searched for it either. Uh, But when I do, I'll be curious to see what movies they do bring in. Because I kind of want to take my daughter to experience that as well, Mm. the drive-in. Because there's something about seeing the movie in a drive-in. You're right. It's uh, drive-in movies are best experienced um, with other people. Like I can't imagine going by myself. I just don't right. think I think it'd be that great. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Excellent point. There's only one time where I didn't, <clears throat> where I had a bad experience at the drive-in, and that was because they showed the X Files movie. Uh, they started it before the sun went down 
And mm. it was such a dark movie that <laughs> you couldn't tell what was going on. Oh, I don't think that was the... Yeah, that was not a good I idea. Think, <laughs> I was going to say that might have been because of the film itself, but actually I'm racking on it. I enjoyed the X-Files movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big X-Files fan, so... Mm, I used to be. <laughs> but I will admit, um, they're very... Um, Prose heavy and dense. So, yeah. I'm kind of in the middle on X Files. Mm. Well, the the uh, latest season that came out, I mm. started watching it. I couldn't even make it to the first episode. I'm like, holy cow! They're talking. They're talking, and then they're talking some more. Mm. And yeah. Oh well. What about TV shows? What are uh, some TV shows that are a much watch in, um, in your normal mm, season when you have time? Right. Um, we are loving Stranger Things. We can't wait until um, the new season comes out, which is going to be pretty soon. Yeah. So, um, sheesh, what else? I, um, to tell you the truth, this is where people will be like starting to tune me out. So I apologize. I really enjoy um, Agents of Shield. Um, for some Shield. reason, I just think it's kind of fun. It's really not sure. terribly taxing on my brain, mm-hmm. and uh, that is a plus um, in today's busy society. So um, my wife and I are actually going through Battlestar Galactica again, which was pretty singular uh, I, I love that show um, I love the miniseries I wasn't a big fan of the show oh really huh yeah yeah I um, what's funny is I watched the miniseries and said I don't think this is good enough for me to watch so <laughs> um, but then I for some reason gutted it to the first couple of the of the the, um, the full on show and I was like I think this is actually pretty wild and um yeah i rode with it the whole time um what else i loved community when it was on um i'm really trying to give you guys something geek centric and that's kind of fitting the bill i'm not sure but um that was a great show oh yeah it it does not have to be geek centric at all oh really okay um i love um um fix or flip no, I'm kidding. Uh, I've never seen an episode. Um, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> it's on HDTV, uh, which... Is that I, the one where they say, do you love it or you list it? Yeah, something like that. Um, I actually... Yeah, well, the only time I watch is when I'm at the gym on a treadmill and I can't turn away. I'm not knocking HDTV, but it's just not my thing, so... Sure, sure, sure. Um, what else? Uh, shoot, man. See, the thing is, I loved, um, I love Netflix, and there's so much on there. I spend more time actually building out my queue than I do actually watching anything that's there. <laughs> Me too. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Netflix. I, I can't wait for August 9th to get here for third season of Glow. Oh no, kidding. Okay, my love the Glow that show. Love yeah, that Glow. Show. Good show, huh. yeah. <laughs> and, and going back to, to Battlestar Galactica, did you ever watch the film Blood and Chrome? 
I don't think I did when it originally came out, but my wife got me the Blu-ray series, the entire series. So I think it's in there. We'll we'll make it there eventually. Okay. Is that pretty good? Yeah. It's when I first watched it, it was a a web series that they put on, um, on YouTube. Oh, that's right. I do remember seeing a couple of those. And then it was 10 episodes and then they pieced it together as a movie and it follows Adama right as he's come out of the Academy. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, that one, that series I loved. I love Caprica. Oh, really? Um, I could not get into Caprica and I tried. Yeah. But But I, you know what? But but I like the idea that it was a prequel going back. It's just the being a fan of the original Battlestar, I, I struggled with, uh, with okay, the reinterpretation, I think. With the reinterpretation or the or the reboot. That's why I like the miniseries because, okay, here's a story arc over four episodes. Cool. And then right. when the next one, the story arc, I'm like, okay, two, three episodes. Oh, we're still hitting the same story arc. And mm. it's still going. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for for new new things, new stories. Right. With with, <laughs> with this one story arc being a subplot thread for everything else, and then when I didn't get that, I'm like, okay, I, I'm kind of done. <laughs> <laughs> it is a kind of a a commitment. So, um, um speaking of Netflix and sci-fi. Um, I can't wait till uh, till they come out with the second season of Lost in Space. Yes, right. I'm actually kind of in the middle of that one, and yeah, you're right. It's really solid. Yeah, it. I was surprised how good how good it is. Oh, just mm-hmm. just wait till the ending. Really? Yeah. I, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Definitely, will revisit. I will say, um, and I need to remember this because. Um, Haunting of Hill House yeah. is probably my favorite show that they've ever done. I haven't it's, watched, I haven't seen all of that yet, but what I've uh, seen is really good. Yeah. 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 That was masterfully done. I'm actually, I can think of 10 shows that I would like to watch, but I would rather watch it again more than those. So for me, uh, we finally got Prime. I've started watching The Tick, and oh, yeah. I am so disappointed that they've canceled it. Yeah. So the third season's it. I'm like, really? <laughs> no, that's not fair. Uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was a good one. I've heard Man in the High Castle is, is pretty good. I have a friend yeah. who... Um, yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. Again, so many. I mean, there's just so much. It's not fair. It's a terrible burden to be overburdened with entertainment. I just, I don't know how uh, we will survive as a species, frankly. I don't know if we'll ever get caught up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I think that's the whole thing where we're not supposed to get caught up just so we keep on living. Yeah. Mm. Because if we do get caught up, then the life's over. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm kind of <laughs> I may be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to retirement so I can catch up on these Netflix shows. Um and yes, that, that sounds like a pretty decent retirement plan. Some people play golf, but I'm just yeah. not interested. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
Netflix. Netflix will be my um, retirement plan. So. <laughs> uh. Um, drawing a blank. <laughs> Derek, you got anything else? Mm, let's see. I know, I think- we, we, we've had such a great time. Where? Oh yeah, I, I don't know if we covered this yet, but where? How did you come up with Kalis? The name. The name. Um, well. I can't actually go into it. Um, I will um, answer it by the end of issue five. How's that? Uh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I now realize it was probably my smartest move to name it a word that's not real, in which case people have had trouble pronouncing it, spelling it. Um uh, mistaking it for Kalis, the unforgettable from Star Trek. Uh, so I don't know if that was my best move, but <laughs> I kind of like the name in part because it means several different things throughout the series, at least as far as I'm considering it right now. It refers to um, the CIA project um, that sent Scott Anders into the space in the first place. Um, they refer to it as the Kalos Project. Um, I, where I they got the name, see, we'll come later. I, I remember seeing that on the uh, um, file during the whole right. mm-hmm. phone sequence. Yes, yes, indeed, yes. <laughs> so, read on, gentle readers. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, you will, you can say that it actually does have a significant uh, purpose for the name. Yes. Um, the reason I can't just come right out and say it is that when you hear it, it will tip off a significant uh, plot point running uh-huh. through the whole series. So, yes. Okay. Interesting. I, I'm i suspecting it has something to do with Shreveport <laughs> and, and the Louisiana Boardwalk which is the name of that mm. shopping center that has the, well, it's an outdoor shopping mall that has the bass and the Build-A-Bear. All right. Okay. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what it is. I'm sorry. You know what? Let's just, let's just say it's a two issue series. Okay. <laughs> uh, forget it, people. Uh, yeah. You know, Shreveport and, and yes, it's there you go. History so. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not really what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so close. Uh, one day you will see how close you were, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> or how close I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, more more likely, yes. <laughs> um, where will people be able to get the book once it comes out? Well, uh, right now we're just selling it through... Um, uh, rather, Silverline is uh, distributing it through our Kickstarter campaign, which is going really well. It went live uh, June 18th, um, and uh, we're already uh, over 150% of our goal, I think. So that's Excellent. really cool. Excellent. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. So um, that is how they're starting it, at least. Um, to tell you the truth, um, 
for a couple of different reasons, I've needed to kind of stay out of the business side of things. So a lot of times people ask me um, things like, will it be available after the Kickstarter? And I say, I am hope I hope so, and, and figure uh, someone else will answer that question. But for right now, I'll say the Kickstarter is really the way to go. So, yeah. Okay. And where can they find where can they find the Kickstarter? Um, you know, if you that is a great question. I think if you just go to Kickstarter, and uh, if you type in Silverline Comics, I think that's one word, uh, or Roland Mann. Um, Roland is the publisher of Silverline Comics, and he's kind of the guy that mentored me through this whole process, and. Uh, it's so I owe him a lot, but um, let me see. Or I could just say that if you went to www.kickstarter.com slash projects slash slash Roland Man slash Kalis dash issue dash one, you might find it. <laughs> um, okay. There's probably an easier way. I would actually, yeah. I think I would go to uh, – I'm actually trying it myself right now. Uh, and, yes, you just type in uh, Kalis. It's the first thing that pops up. So there you go. Hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And where can people find you on the internet? Well, I'm on Facebook. Um to tell you the truth, I don't have a huge internet presence right now. Um, kind of by my own design, I don't have a Twitter account. I think getting one could be disastrous to my peace of mind. Um, <laughs> so I've deliberately held off from there. But uh, Silverline Comics um, has a website, and uh, you can uh, find out more about me there. Um, that's probably what I would recommend. Okay. Um, Silverline Comics also has a Facebook page where they have a lot of stuff you can check out. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on and, and chatting with us. Oh, absolutely. It was great. I love talking about this stuff. See, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> and, Say that again? I said, see, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, man, I was all set up for you guys to ask me, like, what do I think the color green tastes like or something? And I would just babble for like 20 minutes and then he'd be like, I can't believe we asked him to come here. So, Well, since yeah. you're asking or, or suggesting, what? No, nah, I won't ask that. <laughs> See, art attack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes, it was great. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, guys. Our pleasure. Um, yeah. so go, f go find Kalis on Kickstarter, contribute, get your copy. Um, Derek and I have seen it. It's a great book. I'm going to figure out how to get my copy, hard copy now. Cause I want, I want that second page. <laughs> the second page is so, pretty awesome. It, it is. And, and you guys have to see the second page. You guys have to see this book. The art in this book's great. So, um, <laughs> Other than that, until next time. Want to know more?
So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. Some people say I look like Dan Aykroyd. <laughs>